0: Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Let's get started Straight from New York, yo, yo, this handsome man You yo, yo. Ah, now well, Tuned here. in to Aljo, the funk master Watch your grill, yoga, get knocked out cold fast And talking shit, now we talking facts With the mountain off the back You in trouble, came to burst your bubble I don't shelter punches They find home on your mind about a double, This the weekly scraps You don't need a map, GPS I'm right here to lead the dash The world doesn't know it needs But I grow disease, fuck a name And a fame, only legacy remains. Remember the name uh, it ain't shit, it ain't shit. Motherfuckers. Motherfuckers. What's up guys? Welcome back to the weekly Scraps episode 188 Now we are going to recap Obviously everything good and bad That happened at UFC 278 Right over in Salt Lake City In Utah Now For me, this was a very emotional time because of what was at stake. Marab, Duvalishvili, obviously taking on a legend in Jose Aldo. Not really sure what's going to happen. We never know. We can only prepare for what we think we know what's going to happen and what we can do. And I think Marab did a great job of preparing himself. So going into that one, we just never know. It is the unknown when we step into that octagon every single time. And to piggyback off of that, we are going to start with Leon Edwards knocking out... Kamaru Usman in the fifth round, literally in what people would call the 11th hour. 58 seconds left on the clock. Comes out with a same side straight punch into a same side head kick. And you can see earlier in the fight, I think um, Leon was throwing some body kicks that, if you are watching, because I watched it over last night, you can see Usman kind of dipping over to his right. Now, he would slip that cross when they were Southpaw off the docks, and he would slip over and kind of get out of the way. So it would be like a one-two kind of thing. And then he'll parry one and then slip on the outside uh, just a little bit to his right. And we know with MMA, it's a lot different than boxing. You can slip, weave, and do all this kind of crazy shimmy shit. But when you get in there with a guy that can kick his ass off, and not even just a guy who can kick his ass off, you get in there with anybody who's looking for any type of kick whatsoever, it's a game-changer. Anyone with those knees, it's a game changer. You better cut all that boxing, weaving, and slipping shit out and just be able to be good with your hands and placement defensively. That's why you've seen a lot of my fights. And I'm not, this is not a knock on Usman because he is literally pound for pound, right? Um, I just think the way I like to do it more is less slipping because of situations like that. And I kind of get a little PTSD from my fight with Marlon. Uh, diving headfirst into a kick without setting it up whatsoever, and I f- literally face-planted after running chin-first into his kneecap. So I keep my hands more so home, and when I slip, it's more like that, or I more or less cover and get out of the way and just kind of just take the shots. And people would say, oh, Yan was hitting you with the bigger shot. Shut the fuck up, man. Defensively, I barely really get hit. And if you slow those fight, the fights down, you'll see some of the shots just really deflected off my form, some, some of them even off my elbow. It is what it is. Now, going back to this, now Edwards was in a same similar situation, I would say, when Usman would pick up steam and it looked like he was getting in that ass pause. And uh <laughs> he was he was really coming coming after him against the cage and pressing the action and It looked like Usman was kind of having his way, teeing off on Edwards a bit. A lot of those punches didn't get through. And then later as the fight went on, even though he had a good shell, some of the punches started to go like around the guard, around the guard and land like around on the neck area. And then he was digging to the body, beautiful shots from Usman. And I thought Usman was having a near shutout performance. But for the most part, it was pretty dominant. Outside of that first round and Usman getting taken down by Leon Edwards... I don't think anybody saw that one coming. Now, over-under situation, and here's the the tricky part for me in that takedown. Normally, in that over-under situation, if you try to take the guy down from the underhook side with the trip, you're in a position where you can get lateral thrown. So if you watch Greco-Roman wrestling, you watch any type of wrestling with guys who are good in the upper body in that clinch, judo, whatever, guys that get taken down in this situation... It allows me to use my my own overhook on your underhook. So you got an underhook, which means I now have, by default, an overhook unless I just don't have anything. So you jack me up with an underhook. I rewrap my arm around your underhook to clamp down. And as I clamp down, and you try to throw me from this side, so you try to throw me with your underhook. I think um, Leon had the lefty underhook. So that means Usman had the righty overhook. And as he went to step and clamp down, if Usman kept control of the righty overhook the, all the way through, and I think he lets it go at a point, and when he steps behind his leg and he kind of buckles, like buckles backwards, Usman could have hit a beautiful lat throw. Beautiful. Watch it and slow it down, because I'm just like, I felt like that was mechanically wrong in the way that Leon went for the takedown, but still got it. And I was like, something looked off with that. And... I think uh, Usman probably just didn't expect it and kind of caught by surprise, the element surprise, Rocky going for the takedown against Usman. Um, No one expected that, and he gets the position, gets the takedown, ends up in full freaking mounts. I was like, with so much time on the clock, well, it wasn't like three minutes, but he had enough time where I was like, this is interesting. What's actually going to happen in this situation? The last time Usman lost a fight was when a guy had his back. The last time Usman was in any real crazy trouble outside of like getting clipped by Kobe where it looked like, oh, I mean, I don't think it was really like hurt, hurt. Um, But then we see that one. And even with the Burns fight where he got clipped as well, you know, but the last time we saw him like in real imminent danger, I would say was with Damian Maya where there was like that situation of, um, I guess, the, I think it was a cage grab or something like that. Uh, I don't know. But the last time he lost, point blank, was when a guy had his back, and I think that was his second pro fight, and yeah, he got submitted. So seeing him in that situation, I, I would imagine probably he's thinking like, how many rounds did I actually do here to prepare? And I'm not saying they did or didn't, but you have to ask in one of those questions. So that's what I was thinking. So I wasn't really sure what that would look like. I know Rocky's been doing it. You can see in the countdown him working jujitsu, him working his wrestling. And you're wondering, huh, this this is interesting. Can Edwards actually submit Kamaru Usman for the second time in his career to give him his second loss? Survives, gets out of it. Does a good job two on one, gets his shoulders to the mat, looks Usman, looks uh Leon Edwards in the face. Edwards trying to maintain the body triangle, figure four, whatever you want to call it, and trying to keep that position all the way through the bell. And then they kind of just said, you know, let's just punch each other till the ref stops the the round because the round is over. Second, third, fourth round, all pretty much look the same. Rocky has a little bit of success with some of the strikes. I would say he landed the more cleaner looking strikes that you could be like, okay. He stung him with that one. Or that one landed, I don't want to say flush, because flush would mean like, oh, he rocked him. But he landed the cleaner strikes that was just like in the open, where he would get a one-two or throw a left hook or a right hook. Whatever it was, he landed, I felt like he landed the cleaner strikes, as opposed to Usman pushing him backwards against the cage and then having him cover up. And it seemed like Rocky was slowing down. I feel like a lot of the fight card was slowing down by the second round. And people forget that Salt Lake City is about 4,200 feet in the air. So that's altitude. I don't know if all these guys accounted for that. For us, we're training in Vegas, 2,000 feet of uh, elevation. So for us going over there, I mean, it is double and then some, but it wasn't we been we felt so good with it. It didn't really matter where. I think a lot of these other guys, maybe Edwards, um, maybe Rockhold and Costa. A lot of these other guys who were training in these other places, I think they might have been affected by that. And if you look at the card, you would see that a lot of guys slowed down. Short Woodson, um, uh, Ariki Lang. A lot of a lot of guys slowed down. And, and Jay Perrin actually trains out here, so he was actually looking like picking. He was picking up steam the later, the longer that fight was going against Ariki Lang. Um, Jose Aldo, I I think if you look at the card, you'll see a lot of the guys were slowing down. Aldo's a different one. He's unique because he typically always slows down like halfway through that second round for some reason. That's just kind of like his MO if you can push him. But we're going to get to that later. So, with Edwards getting kind of... He was kind of getting handled a bit. It almost looked like a big brother because... Usman was taking him down almost whenever he wanted, and whenever he took him down, kind of just dumped him, threw a couple big punches, controlled the position, was behind him, throwing big knees. One of the things I I do have to point out, Herb Dean did a great job of restarting the position with Leon Edwards, but there were multiple situations, and I think after watching the fight back, where Usman kind of got away with a couple of cage grabs that could have possibly changed the situation with Edwards getting a takedown again and uh, allowed Usman to stay upright in positions where it looked like he was being tripped, falling over, caught the the cage to keep himself up. But he can't really restart that position because it was already standing, right? So he didn't actually get the takedown. But I think in a situation like that, because it happened in the same round that he stopped the position for Edwards and restarted him back on the mat. I just think when you have that happening, it's a little bit, I don't wanna say biased, but it's a little unfair to the other guy because he did it multiple times. The eye poke looked more like a punch, not punch, like a push away, but it looked like the knuckle. And I try to rewind this as much as I can. It looked like the knuckle, which is legal. So if I throw a punch and I throw it like this and this knuckle hits you, that's legal. If I throw a punch and this knuckle hits you, that's legal. If I throw a punch like this and these knuckles hit you in the eye, even though that would hurt my fist, but I can punch and make it like this, where it's gonna be super, like annoying. Where I could get in there in a clinch situation and and try to find your eyeball and punch you in the eye to make you let go of that clinch. Little little technical strategy right there. So don't don't go stealing my tricks now, guys. But there's a lot of things like that. I think that I think that was maybe not the right call. After reviewing in real time, it's hard to see. It. Okay, and then the the kick. That hit the belt line. I thought that was I thought that was legal. Um, I didn't see anything drag across. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Let me know in the comments. I mean, like I said, I rewatched it again last night, slow motion, and watched the replay. It looked like it hit it flush on the on the belt line, which does feel like a low blow. But I'm just saying, when you watch it back, you're like, ah, that was a legal shot. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just, I'm just the, the drill here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, fun fight. Some parts, uh, you could just tell Usman was definitely the better fighter overall. Had the perfect game plan. Edwards, the better striker. Kind of the same thing with myself and Jan. I'm going to always be able to pressure and get the takedowns. Um, you could say I went two for 22, even though I, I got four takedowns in that fight. Two of them weren't counted because of whatever reasons. If you're wrestling in a wrestling match in college... If I get behind you and I chuck you forward and you put your hands on the mat, my friends, that is awarded two points. No ifs, no buts about it. It's a takedown. Four takedowns against Jan. And again, going back to this, Usman got a takedown every single time. So the threat of the takedown was there. The threat of my takedown was there and allowed Usman to open up with the strikes. Myself, I was like, you know, I'm just going to get the win. I'm just going to get the win and go home. I don't need to open up the strikes. I did that in the last fight and got to put on a good show for the fans and I let Jan piece me up. I'm not even going to give him the opportunity to do that. I'm just going to make him wrestle every single chance that I get. That was the game plan. One, now I can move on with a better game plan and it can make it a little bit more exciting when I fight TJ. <clears throat> but back to Edwards. I felt like Usman was having his way, picking his shots. He, he landed more strikes on the feet. And he got takedown almost whenever he wanted, controlled him against the cage, almost whatever he wanted. Now, we have to say, in the fifth round, with the tell from the dip, Usman slips and parries that cross, that left cross from Rocky. And I did say in the last podcast, previewing this fight, Leon has a pinpoint accurate left hand. When he throws it, he almost always lands it when he's committed to the punch. Now, I think from the early in the fight where in that fifth round, I think he does land a cross or one-two, and he throws it, bop, bop. Now, you see the setup. You see Usman slipping. Now, he goes to the body right before, I want to say 30 or 40 seconds before. So, he's setting it up, trying to do something. Like I said, in the 11th out, he throws the same side cross into a same side head kick. And I don't want to call it same-side cross. He throws a cross into the same-side head kick. Usman gets out of the way and just watch. He doesn't even see it coming. The shin lands flush. Usman hits the deck, and Rocky doesn't even need to follow up. He knows already. He knows. hand's already up. He knows he landed the kill shot. Fight's over. Herb Dean stops the fight in perfect timing. Doesn't let him take any more damage. Usman doesn't take any more damage because Rocky's a uh, true sportsman. He sees that he's... Hurt, he's like, yo, I already, I took care of this. This is over. I don't need to do anything else. And he shocks the freaking world. Beautiful performance. And I don't want to even say performance. Beautiful comeback. Come from behind victory. Never doubted himself. Even when there's 10 seconds left on the clock, he was fighting. And uh, I think that's what it's all about, man. You you find a way to win even when the odds are stacked against you, and he was able to do that. And with that being said, Leon Edwards now becomes the first Jamaican-born UFC champion. Now, I don't know what people's gripe is about someone claiming where they are from, where they are originally born, because their roots are intact and they want to keep their ties to their country. No matter if they had a platform like the UFC, NFL, whatever it is. What is the issue with that? I saw some people saying, like, you, people like myself, um, wh- whoever else, uh, uh, Leon, um, trying to think who else I could think of off the top of the head. Uh, uh, like, it's like, like, do people get mad at Max Holloway for saying he's a Hawaiian even though he's American? Like, what, what is wrong with people? I don't get it. At the end of the day, we're not saying Jamaica didn't do anything. We're saying Jamaica is where we are from. That's where our roots lie, right? But we are still acknowledging that where we live is what gave us the opportunity. So I don't get why people are so up in arms like, oh, he's an American, but he claims Jamaica. Oh, you're from New York, though. You're from New York, though. I never once said I wasn't from New York. I said I have, I am Jamaican-born, first-generation Jamaican-American. I'm going to always say that. I'm going to always claim where I'm from. Same thing with Edwards. Same thing with any other person who has any type of self-respect and not just going to say, hey, man, I am born here, but I live here, so let's forget about this. Or, hey, man, my parents were born here, and my grandparents were born here, but now I live here, so let me forget about this and what taught them. You think we went into the household, my parents forgot all the Jamaican heritage and, and raised us like just some Americans? No. We have our Jamaican cultures, everything intact, because that's the way I was raised. So I think it's fair for me and fair for anybody to claim where they want to be from, as long as it's true, and as long as you're doing it in a in a right way, you're not being disrespectful, I'm not being dismissive. I am still a, an American, proud American. I don't know how many times I got to say that. Leon, Edward's I still a proud British man from Birmingham. He said that. He even says in the post, fight, they said we couldn't do it from Birmingham. They said we couldn't do it from the UK, but we did it. We did it from the UK. We didn't have to go anywhere else, even though he did go somewhere else. But he came back and did his, all his other training camps in the UK and showed that he can win a, a UFC world title from UK, training in the UK with what they have for, as resources in the UK. And he also showed that people from Jamaica having nothing can make it out because that's what Jamaicans do. We go to college. And if you do go to school or you get a, of age, you, you travel abroad because the island is so small. There's only so many jobs that you can make ends meet, especially if you have a big family. So most people go abroad and they send money back home because that's the way that the, the tourism and the co- the community just work. Like economically, that's just how it is built. Check out all the people that are successful. They go abroad. They come back. Still have their roots intact. They don't forget about where they're from, you know, so it just gets me, it just annoys me a little bit when people do shit like that, I'm just like, I don't get it, like, why, why are you like this, why are you ruining, ruining a a good moment for your own selfish agenda to, to, I don't know, like, what is the, what is the purpose, like, do you feel fulfilled by saying, no, you're not, you're not Jamaican, you're American, no, you're, I was fans of you, but now you don't carry the flag, like, that's just so weird, Why? What is wrong with you? What is so wrong in your life that you have to try to make us feel like we're assholes? I don't feel like an asshole. I think you're actually the asshole for trying to have us dismiss where our cultures lie. That's like saying, oh, you were born here through slavery. Now, we're going to get political. Through slavery, you now have no ties to your history. You don't even know where your ancestors are from. So you should claim where you were born, even though you have no real roots no real heritage, no real culture, outside of what you were told as a slave. So where does that culture come from? Your oppressors. So people need to be a little bit more respectful that some of us actually still have ties to our history, and that's all I'm. That's all I'm trying to say. Like so, it, it gets, it gets a little messy, and, and I don't like talking like politics and things like that because it gets people are just so crazy, and it can make you crazy. I don't want to be crazy. I just want to be happy. So that's where I'm at with that. Um, again, congrats to, to, to Edwards, first Jamaican-born UFC champion. And for Usman, for a championship-level fight, had a little adversity, came back and showed why he was the dominant pound-for-pound king on that list until the end where he got caught. It happens. It happened to me. I bounced back. You you pulled the positives. You you push aside the negatives that like you still gotta you still gotta acknowledge the negatives right but you got to acknowledge the positives what was done well what could have been done better? what did you learn about yourself and the experience and uh, like anything else in life you pick yourself up you regroup and you come back and you show who you are through the toughest times and for Usman, how is this really a tough time? Look at all the things he's accomplished. Look at his resume. If anything, he's, all he has to say is, man, I've done this, 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 and this. This is a minor setback for a major comeback. And if his performance before that was any indicator of what a trilogy would look like, if I'm Usman, I'm going, I like my chances in the rematch. I just got to make sure I have one extra minute of focus and I win that fight. But now we have ourselves on our hands this huge trilogy, which I think is going to be a phenomenal fight. Maybe it's even more dominant for Usman all the way through. Maybe Usman gets the knockout. I mean, look at some of the other guys who've been knocked out before. Uh, I mean, one guy I could think of off the top of my head is GSP. He came back with a vengeance and he, you know, my coach knocked him out, you know. So it, 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 and, look what, and he went on a crazy run after that. Whether or not Usman is going to want to do that at his age, going on a crazy run, that's up to him, entirely up to him. Uh, he's got a lot of mileage at this point from wrestling. I know his knees aren't the greatest. He doesn't really run. So for him, he could do whatever he wants to do. But his resume speaks for itself. This is a one little blip of a moment in his career. And I think his mental fortitude is tougher than most. And it has got him to this point. And I think when a guy has made as much money as he has, can sleep in satin sheets, Egyptian sheets, whatever you want to call it, whatever type of sheets he wants to sleep in, and still get up and go to work and punch the clock and still be the greatest of all time, one of the greatest of all time, and one fight away, if he won this, he would have tied Anderson Silva's record within the UFC. And modern-day MMA, not old days MMA, modern-day MMA, Usman has nothing to hang his head about. He comes back, puts on another good performance, reclaims the belt or not, but puts on another great performance. I think that's what it's all about. This sport is literally life. You have your ups, you have your downs, the peaks, the valleys, the people who call you when you're winning, the people who stop calling and you don't hear from when you have a tough time. We're going to see who's Usman's closest friends. And Usman's going to be able to see that for himself. And uh, again... You know, a small setback doesn't define who you are. So, for me, this was a tough fight because I am I love and respect both of these guys, especially as strong black men. And, again, not to make it about political. Like, it's okay for other cultures to prop each other up. But it's like when a, like when a brother does it for another brother, it's, it turns out to be a little weird or people make it weird. Like, oh, it's not about race. It's not about race. You're right. It's about me seeing another black man two of them accomplishing great things because it's so much harder where we start for where you are where you are depends on where you're born depends on your parents and your situation for i know for myself i know for a situation you hear rocky's story i know you see usman's story so when i see situations like that i have to stand up and say right on my brother good for you guys for making and showing that it is possible for you to get out of the hood. Get out of whatever situation you're in. Even if you're not rich. You don't have the best parents. Or come from a broken home. You have 20 brothers and sisters like I do. You don't have a good relationship with your parents or your dad. You can make it. And there's a lot of people with from other races, yes, that have the same situation. But you see time and time again in the black community that this happens all the time. And you see this cycle. So it's nice for me to see that you can pave away and show what we can do and what we are capable of if given the opportunity or if we try to create the opportunities. Understanding that life is going to deal you a hand doesn't mean you have to play that card, those cards. You can use those that hand and play it the way that you want to play it. You can find the opportunities the way you want to find it. And for me... I was able to do that looking at gang life down the road or looking to use wrestling, using sports to elevate myself and change my mindset to see that there is a way out. Whether or not I was a professional athlete, I would have graduated from college and I would have been happy with life knowing that I did something that I did not think was possible just given the things that I've seen, you know. So, again, respect to both these guys. Usman is going to be back Again, perf- great performance from him. Very dominant. Up until that one moment that changes the entire fight, I was in complete shock. Everyone in the back room was in complete shock. And um, uh, again, props to Edwards finding a way to get it done as long as there was time on the clock. He stayed fighting. And one of his signature moves that he uses a lot, and uh, you check his resume, you'll see that he's hit that kick plenty of times. In his previous fights, uh, let me not say plenty, but other times in his previous fights, and they didn't end in like a head kick knockout, but it's just one of his things that he he does. So I think um, whenever you have Southpaw Orthodox, you got to be very very cognizant of that. Um, so yeah, congrats to both guys, but a huge congrats to Leon Edwards, and enjoy your championship run. And uh, it was cool to be able to run into him in the club, uh, in Utah at at Sky, and just. Giving him his flowers, you know, because at the end of the day, it's it's all love, man, to see someone do great, and it's all love for Usman as well, there's there's no, uh, you're more favorite, it's nothing like that, again, it's just about the community doing well, and seeing two brothers at the top of the sport, um, makes me, man, I'm just super proud, and it's humbling to see uh, these guys accomplishing great things, and um Hopefully more to come for both of these guys. Now, other thing I want to talk about, Luke Rockhold versus Costa. The performance was amazing. Uh, amazing in the sense of, it was, for me, a fight of the night situation where both guys had big moments. Rockhold showing some real grit, biting down on his mouthpiece and throwing some caution to the wind and connecting and looking like he's going to get Paula Costa out of there. And Rockhold looked... Exhausted. There was a couple of moments where he put his hands on his knees and I was like, This is not looking good. I don't know why he's doing that. I don't know if it's the altitude. Maybe he didn't train as much as he was saying. Maybe it was the pressure that he put on himself because he had no pressure going into this fight. This was a win-win. If he were to win, great. If he were to lose, he took on Paul Acosta after coming off of a three almost a three year layoff, if not a three year layoff. And after being knocked out multiple times. So what did he have to lose? He had everything to gain. And I think he managed to shine. And I think he gained a lot of respect from the fans um, on multiple fronts. Just his personality. I think fans were more receptive of this version of Luke Rockhold. Which I was even the same in the same category. He wasn't really in my cup of tea before the fight. And during the, the lead up, I was like, man, this Rockhold is growing on me. He is really growing on me. And uh, we hung out in the back room before they went out for the Thursday night press conference, and he's kind of a jokester. He he, he he's a little different with his approach. Um, I don't know if it was like nervous energy or just anxious. Can't get just, like he just couldn't wait to get back and get into a fist fight against a guy who probably scares a lot of guys like we're not afraid of people but we are afraid of certain matchups like ah, this is probably a fight that I should maybe avoid for a little bit unless I need to take this fight and I think he put himself in a situation where he took on one of these scariest dudes and had a performance like that where he was literally a puncher's chance away from winning I think at least um Big moments. I think both of these guys have a ton of respect for each other. Costa showed that he's still Costa of old. The one thing I will say, I think he has a little bit of... I don't want to say reserve, but I think since the Izzy fight, he's kind of been more humanized. Like, he's seen more, like, uh, not this big juggernaut who was just bulldozing everybody on his way to a championship run. Um, until he run into Izzy. So I, I feel like since that fight, he, he's kind of turned like that image of him has toned down a bit, even though he's still the scary looking Paul, Paul Acosta still can knock people's heads off into the, the nosebleeds of the stands, you know, but the aura I think has changed just slightly. And I think even his performance with Rockhold. And mind you, Rockhold was laying some monster body kicks, throwing some nasty head kicks up top that Paula had to respect. And uh, I'm just saying, I think Costa used to just put fear in these guys' hearts and was running through the competition. But then he ran to Izzy, and I feel like that aura has dimmed a little bit. And guys like Vittori, now Rockhold, showing like they're just not afraid to get in there and mix it up with him. And I think that has earned... Costa's respect with these other guys. Now, I will say maybe if Costa goes back and fighting guys that are outside of the top 15, maybe he puts that fear back in the hearts of those guys once again. But when you have someone who's willing to do the same thing as you and go to those depths of hell to get the win, like Rockhold was willing to do in that on that night, I think it, it, it goes to show that if you can stick it out, you can get in there and... And hang with Paula Costa and maybe find a way to beat him or finish him. It's possible. We are all human. We all bleed. And uh, I think Rockhold showed that and showed tremendous heart in this fight. And for me, that was a win for him. You know, so now he's retired and I think it's good for him. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll uh see. We'll see where Costa goes from here because now you got this weird void that Costa is going to be in because Luke is now retired. So now it's almost like you beat a ghost. I mean, obviously he didn't beat a ghost, but it's just one of those things like, well, now this guy's no longer in the division. So now what do you do with Costa? He lost to Vittori. Now, I mean, you have Whitaker. I mean, you have all these other matchups and you have Izzy who's still at the top. What do you do? What do you do? I think if Izzy does lose to Pereira, now you have options all over again. You have a Costa Pereira matchup. There's a tons of options, but that's a long, it's a long shot away to say like Izzy's gonna lose to Pereira. I don't know. We got a lot of fun matchups on our hands, so it's still a good positioning. We'll see what happens, and uh, we'll go from there. Next up, oh, what did they do? So let's go into this next one. The legend, Jose Aldo, King of Rio, takes on Merabh Vili, the machine. Now, this was a fight that we knew could go two extremes. Marab would do what he didn't or Aldo can catch him with one of the knees or one of those big punches and get a finish. That's just like the extreme difference in styles, right? Now, Marab, what he does to people in the room... What he does to people in the fights, he is a tornado. He is the machine for a reason. The guy has a gas tank like no other. Now, the first round, there was some ah moments from Aldo looking like he might have clipped Marab. But honestly, I think it's more of the crowd than actually connection. So I think Marab, in that, in that fight, in my opinion, for a flawless, strategical fight, Aldo sitting on the cage yawning and playing to the crowd doesn't do anything for you. You have to get off the cage. You have to make the attempt to show, like, you can defend and you can get out of there and keep the fights in the position where you want it. You know where we want the fight. We're either looking to take you down or we're looking to stifle the action and beat you up against the cage. That's what Marab did. So for anyone, I I was just kind of blown away that Jose Aldo actually thought he won that fight. You could try to make the argument, even though I still thought Marab won the first round, you could try to make the argument that, okay, maybe, maybe, uh, he won the first round because of the crowd getting the making the big pops and getting involved. Um, but in my opinion, I, I just felt like um, it Aldo didn't do enough in the first round, and he damn sure didn't do enough in the second or the third. So for me, that was an easy 30-27. But again, I said you could make the argument, but I don't think that he won the first round. I still thought Marab did more than he did. And Marab... Got a takedown in the third round. Again, if your hands touch the mat, it is a takedown. If one hand touched the mat, it is a takedown. Marab took down the legend. He wasn't forcing the action, trying to uh, get myself tired. And if you did see, I forget which clinch moment it was, when Marab went for the takedown and then broke. Aldo then tried to, I think it was the first round, he surged forward and tried to do like the jumping knee and tried to throw something at Mirab when he was going to catch him towards the end at the, like, we call this thing like a trap or we call it it closing the door. So if you throw a combination and your opponent backs up past past that black line, that's like closing the door. We're going to give you a couple of options because you can only go left or right. You can't go backwards anymore. So we close the door And we look to give you a hard exit, meaning you got to eat a big shot in order to get out of there. And that's what Jose Aldo tried to do to Marab. Marab defended perfectly, um, didn't take any real damage from that jumping knee or whatever you want to call it, that attempt from Jose Aldo. It just looked exciting, looked flashy, um, looked like a moment in the fight. And uh, that was really it. I think he thought that Murad was going to be tired coming out of that clinch. But smartly, one of the things that we drill, we always go through our MMA wrestling class and we always discuss when to squeeze, when to relax, and let the body weight do the work. Not to exhaust your arms. Let the opponent think that you're going to get tired. Let them work and try to pull with the overhook, the underhook. Let them carry all your weight. Be dead weight on them and... Let them exhaust themselves, and then when you feel the moment, the opportunity, you escape out of there. Or they escape out of there, I should say. Now their arms are going to be heavy, and then you attack them again, and then you go again for the takedown. Um, But Aldo tried to press Marab, thinking that maybe Marab was tired, but I think Marab fought perfectly, man. He did such a good job of neutralizing the position. He landed, like I want to say, like 30 knees at one point, I think in that second or third round. And I'm just like, there's no way Aldo can win this fight unless he gets a knockdown like a real legitimate knockdown to go, oh, okay, he did more damage in that round. And Marab did a great job neutralizing him. I think halfway through the second round, you see Jose Aldo out of the clinch. He takes like a big deep breath and he starts walking backwards. And you see his boulders just like, just kind of like throttling through like molasses. Like it's just like, mm-hmm. like you could tell the energy was dipping in. And I start going, He's tired. This is the time to get him. Marab starts to open up a little bit more with the hands and still threatening with the takedown to keep him honest to make him know that it's still not a striking fight. We're still doing MMA. I'm going to keep the pressure on you. And if I get a takedown and punch you out, I'm going to do that. Aldo's goal was to not get taken down. Okay, he did that for the most part. He got taken down one time, the third round, hands on the mat, kind of chilled out in that position. But it's not enough to win the fight. You know? Marab. I thought, like I said, dominated the fight, dominated the action. He clearly won. You can say whatever you want, but it was a dangerous opponent. A dangerous opponent. Uh, a threat of uh, being knocked out or dropped or being hurt really, really bad was there the entire time because that's just Aldo's mo. He just one of those heavy hitters. He cracks, and uh, to deal with Marab, you know that that pressure is going to be there the entire time. So that is the difference. I keep telling these guys, good luck trying to find a guy who can emulate Marab. Good luck trying to find a guy who has an endless gas tank as Marab. The closest thing you're gonna ever find to that is maybe finding these tough grapplers who can give you rounds like that and swapping them out every single round. Outside of that, good luck. Um, again, people keep asking, what were, what are we gonna do? I still gotta win. If I lose my fight to TJ Dillashaw, the door's wide open for Marab to do whatever the hell he wants to do. The UFC matchmaker say, you know what, we're going to throw Morab in there against Cheeto Vera um, or against the winner of TJ. I think if, if Cheeto, if I were to lose hypothetically, knock on wood, then I think they throw Cheeto in against um, TJ Dillashaw. I think because they're going to want the most exciting matchup. But then you have Marab who takes out another top contender. Now what do you do? You have to put him in there. You know, so t- t- it's all about the timetables and whether or not Cheeto's is going to want to wait. If Volkanovski isn't going to fight Henry Cejudo, then maybe Henry fights Cheeto or Henry fights Marab. There's options for everybody, and there's options for me as well. And then you still have Yon, you still have O'Malley, you still have Adrian Giannis, you still have Ricky Simone. There's still a lot of big players in this weight class. So this this weight class right now is insane. There's plenty of options. Again, I have to do my job in Abu Dhabi October 22nd, and I fully plan on doing that. And, again, this is a good problem for us to have. That means two guys in one gym, top-tier level, iron sharpens iron, both of us pushing our game to the next level. It's a good problem to have. How can it be bad? So um, we already said we aren't going to fight each other, especially fighting each other for... (laughs) You know, some people will say, like, I'll take that all day long. But it's not even that. It's just, like, why would we ever fight each other for money that can be burnt in literally a year's time? And that's not even spending it recklessly. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have a crazy lifestyle. I don't go spending thousands of dollars on tables and bottles and, and buying private jet flights and things. Like, I don't do that. I have three houses. I'm smart with my money. I have insurances. I have... And when I say insurances, I'm talking septi IRAs. You know, so I, I'm doing the right thing. I have a healthy bank account. I've helped my family. I like to think I'm pretty intelligent, you know? But if I'm going to ever do something like that, the juice, the juice is nowhere near worth the squeeze. For me to ruin a, a, a brotherhood like that, for what? For money that I'm going to need, like... In the next year or if I have a kid, I don't have health insurance, you know? So it was like, what are we talking about? Like, why would I ever do some, such a thing? So that's my mentality. That's where I'm at. And um, it is what it is. Uh, super proud, super happy for Merab. And uh, for him to get a huge feather in his cap like that, that's a lot for MMA in Georgia. To me, he's already a champion. He beat a world champion. How can you not be considered a world champion? And then just beat him. He dominated. He literally... This guy had no answer for him whatsoever. So the question is, what are you guys in the Bantamweight division going to do? You got two Bulldogs at the top of the division, and we're taking on all comers. Back to back, like the Double Dragons, baby. (laughs) So, like I said, we'll see what happens with my fight with TJ. Uh, Let me send this guy the proper way, and uh, hopefully there is a window of opportunity for me to go up to 45 or we can explore Marab at 25. Um, you know, I, the, my only thing about him going down to 25 is obviously those 25ers are a lot faster. And then obviously at 25, it's a bigger cut. It would be like me making, Marab going down to 25 would be me fighting at 45. At, but for him at 35. Because he only walks around about 55. 58 on a heavy day. And that's him like really just eating a lot. Me, I'm touching 170 and higher, you know. So I have to like this morning. I woke up 159.4. Super happy. I was like, okay, my my weights and my metabolism is getting under control. I'm doing the right things. I'm slowly slimming down, um, you know. So then it gets easier. Like for me, if I want to do 45, I would have to actually probably li- probably lift a little bit more. I, I and I wouldn't want to get bulky. I want. I would want to keep my speed advantage. But I would need to make sure I can explode and get those takedowns on those bigger guys with those taller frames and make sure I could do it the right way. And I would be a lot happier not having to suck all the way down to 135 skin and bones where I'm just straight up, what would you call a string bean? So we'll see. There's options and uh, we'll evaluate everything. But again, we both need to be in a position first. Rob did his job. Now it's time for me to do my job. We got a couple big fights. August 26th, we got... Big Black, a.k.a. um, Edwin Smart, my brother Kelvin Sterling, August 26th, I think, for Cage Fury. Go check those guys out next week. They're fighting, I think it's either PA or New Jersey. That's where most of the fights are for CFFC. Then we have September 9th. We have our guy uh, Steve Lee. We have Anthony DeLemme, um, a.k.a. The the Dilemma. (laughs) We have a bunch of guys coming up, so stay tuned. We have a lot of um, promising prospects, I think. Coming out of Long Island. And uh, then we're going to parlay that into October 22nd. I'm sure guys are going to fight in between that time frame as well. Austin Halleck. A lot of these guys. So, as always, thank you guys for always tuning in. If you like my shit, subscribe to my shit. We're spinning backfish, baby. I'll see you guys later. I'm about to get the day started. Peace.